Welcome to Men Are Nuts, a podcast about mental health, emotional health, physical health, psychological health, awareness in men, women and society. First, it started with MAN, the acronym for Men Are Nuts. And we have a very special guest on the show for you today. And he's told me it's raining and it's not supposed to be raining there at this time of year. Introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Frank Sudius. I'm from Amsterdam. Uh, I'm the author of the book, Trapped in the Dream, Never Lose Your Drive. And that's all about that. What I wanted to do with my book is share my journey. But most of all, that I hope that people can see why it is so important that you start living the life you were always meant to be, to live. You know, we all have a gift. And in the book, it will show you that you have to go back to the dream that, that really picks you, that, that fits you, that dream that, that, that itch you, that always is there, but you don't have the guts or you don't go out, you know. So many people are living in prisons because the door is open, but they don't know how to live their dream. So what I want to show that whatever happens, you still can pick up that dream and go back and be the be the gift you were always meant to be. And that's what I want to reach with my book. And Trapped in a Dream is for all the people who are trapped in dreams. And, you know, never lose your drive. And because it is your dream life, but you have to go for it. And it's always there. reality now right in, in reality at the moment you said it's raining there whereabouts are you and and tell the listeners for you where about where are you at the moment i'm 10, 10 case uh, uh from amsterdam i'm, I'm born in amsterdam yeah. but i live in a small village uh, a small uh, city permanent and and yeah that's nobody knows that but when you say amsterdam a lot of people know where amsterdam is and it's cold, it's eight, 8 degrees, and it's raining, and it's windy, really windy, so that's typical Holland. <laughs> so, I'll say Holland is, Holland, for listeners out there who may not know Holland, it's, it's quite a famous football football team, the Dutch football team, and famous, quite a few famous people have, um, have come out of Holland, famous, oh, actually Ajax, the football team. and Ajax, uh, yeah. I'm, 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 Ajax, Ajax is, is in me. It's, uh, Ajax is in me. It's, it's, it's religion. It's a religion. <laughs> right, so, so, so you're a football. Are you a football? So you're a football fan then? No, not yeah. I like the good teams, you know, like like Liverpool and, and, and the England England competition. I like I like Barcelona and I like Ajax. I don't watch everything, no, but no, no. But I mean, you 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 you're into the yeah. You like I, I watch good games. I, want, I always watch good games. Yeah. And um, is that Cruyff? Johan Cruyff. Cruyff. Johan Cruyff. He was he was the most famous player of uh, of, of Holland. Yeah. Yes, he was yes. he was amazing. Yeah. He's like Pele. He's yeah. he's in the same category as Pele and Maradona. And you know, he's 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 really really. He is football. Yeah. He is football. Tell us some more famous things that have come out of um, Holland. I know. Is it, is it, I'm sure there's like, is it the gardens? They're, they've got lots of flowers. It's a place of. Kirkenhof. Flowers, yes. 
Keukenhof. It's called Keukenhof. But at the moment, if you would see around me, I cannot watch somewhere without seeing a flower. Really? Everywhere I look now is outside this flower. So you're, are you, so in the area where you live, what's it like where you live? Is it, is it, is it in the country? Is it city? You say it's, it's yeah, it's the countryside. It, it's green. Everywhere is water and, and it's green and flowers at the moment. And it's, 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 yeah, at the moment it's the, the most beautiful time to come to Holland. It's, it's, it's this time of, of the year. But normally it's 15, 20 degrees already nice. But this, this year it's cold, windy and rainy. <laughs> The rain is good for the flowers yes, for yes. to grow. Yeah, um, I know that in England at the moment it's it's, it's been it was raining yesterday, it's raining today, and apparently it's got something like four or five days of rain. So, yeah, um, it's gonna... uh, we have to, that's that's normal. <laughs> so... <laughs> so tell us, tell but, but, carry yeah. on, carry on. No, but we have also uh, last summer we had. 53 days without rain wow. and then it's panic was that, because was that, was that unusual then yeah it's so unusual it was 35 degrees still 40 42 we, it was and then the, then we don't have water anymore we have so much water but then we have short of water we had short of water really? in 52 days yeah we had so what? we couldn't take a shower anymore we're not allowed to take a shower for one minute Longer than one minute was not allowed. So, you wow. know, it was really hard. Wow, so it was that hard. And so the, the government mandated that you couldn't, you couldn't... That's it, you couldn't wet your garden anymore. You, you could not use water, you know, yeah. not spill water anymore, you know? Wow, how did, how did you, how did you manage, obviously you cope, but how did you manage to get through that then? Was it just well? You buy you buy a lot of water in the, in, in, the, in the supermarkets. You have to buy to, for, to drink and to cook tea and for the coffee and you know you, you, you have to buy it. You have to, because the water here is uh, from the tap is really excellent. We've got the best water yeah, yeah. in the world, I think. And you can use the taps and everything. It's always there, and, and, and you know. But it's strange that you have to buy water because I know, I know. That's I know. I mean, I you know. Um, you know, I've grown up in a time where, you know, where, the, where we didn't have, we didn't have, there's no such thing as buying water. Then all of a sudden it changed to having water in a bottle. I, I saw something the other day where somebody was trying to sell somebody um, air. You know, in the future they might have to buy air and they're thinking, okay. <laughs> that's, that's what I see sometimes on the internet too, you know, and it's crazy. I, I hope I'm not going to have to do that. But... <laughs> yeah, crazy. So, um, tell us, just tell um, again, tell the listeners, what's, what famous things have come out of Holland? I mean, we spoke about Cruyff, and, but what, what other things have come out of Holland? I think uh, our flour export is one of the biggest. Yeah. And our cheese, the cheese, the Dutch cheese is all over the world. We are famous about our cheese. Our cheese goes, goes around the whole world. Any famous people come out of? Well, the, the, the painters, eh? the, the Rembrandt from Rhine, and, and all the, the famous painters. Yeah. We, we had a lot of famous painters. And 
and also conquerors because you know I'm not proud of my my ancestors you know they they robbed the whole world and uh, we are we are so rich country because we robbed yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rest of the world yeah. so it was not my fault so don't hold me as responsible but they were bad. There were some bad people, you know, like England, you know. We, yes, all the good we robbed it from from other countries. Yeah. And that's, I think, you know, I was I was look back on history and I think, you know, obviously people have the reasons why, and it's maybe it's a case of overpowering others or saying that we can take or we can do this. You know, yeah, you had Belgium, you know, with their leader taking things from certain areas, England. You know, like near, yeah. near every country tried to do it. Yeah. Um, and you just think, now we're living in a more, you'd say, would you say, well, we, we are, we're living in a more um, lawful and civilised world in a sense. Yeah, if, if you do it now, other countries will say, hey, don't do that, you know. They take care of each other now. It's, it, it, it's much better now. I'm, I'm happy because, you know, I'm not proud of what my ancestors did you know they (laughs) but 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 i I live in that's why i'm now living in a a, they were explorers and and i don't think there's something wrong with explore but to to take all the good things out of another country and leave it then that's 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 not right that's not that's not that's not correct pay for it and that's okay you know pay for if, if you want something from another country pay for it you know and we can swap we we have good things and other countries have things we we need so we have to swap we have to so it's getting better but still it's it's there are still countries who uh, think they can uh, can rule the world yeah, so yeah uh, yeah yes i know um so you're um with that in, in terms of being sort of on that on that topic have people you you recognize it you recognize it whether you're a historian or not but do other people in in do other people in, in holland share the same view as you or do they just say well we did it and that's it How, what's the consensus uh, i think it's 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 50 50. you know uh, more and more our government is saying sorry two countries they said you know we were wrong and that's good but there are a few people who said well they should have fought for it you know don't give it away you know fight for your country and you didn't do it but that's that's a lot of i don't think that's right because you know when germany invaded us we needed america and canada to to help us to save us you know they saved us they saved our ass, otherwise we, we were not talking German. And Germany is such an incredible, uh, good economic country. It's, it's so strong, it's so powerful. And again, eh, again, they lost everything. They lost the war, but still they are on top of the world with everything. It's, so, it's such a strong country. Is it being taught in? Was that is, is that something? Because what I'm, the reason why I'm going with this is that, say, say in England, um, if we're talking about where where the English would have gone to different countries and 
decimated countries or whatever they did, taken, took things and, you know, destroyed people's lives. It's not taught in, it's something that's not being taught or, or they're hiding. You know, is it the same thing in Holland? Are they, is it something that sh- that's there to, for everybody to see or are people having to dig for it, the answers? Because like in England, it's only now because of the, what's happened in America with the shootings and this the racism and all this sort of stuff. More and more people are saying these things, it's almost like England have hidden behind um, those things and told... And not told it's, 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 it's getting better, but here in Holland, in Amsterdam, I think we have in Amsterdam 70 different cultures, 70 different... So we are so cultural, so... We are so, we're getting more closer together with all different nations and, you know, it is really good what's going on in in Holland and I think it is spreading too, you know, it's spreading, but we still have to work hard on it, we have to, we have to be close on it, you know, because still there is racism and it's still there, It, it is still there and, you know, but we're working hard on it, and there are so many people fighting for this. So I think it's good. And, and England is a little bit behind, and Germany is still a lot of racist. People, people are racist, but it's getting better by the, by the five year. Every five year, it's, it's really getting better. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a research marketer. I was a research marketer, so I know a lot of these uh, these uh, issues. That's something we can talk about in another. I'd like to talk about that something in another podcast. Actually, that'd be nice to talk about your background between about research marketing and what you found. Um, in terms of, um, let's just let's start talking about what's you know your life. What what brought you to this point, um, and what brought you to 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 writing the book? Um, what was life? Have you always lived in Holland? Yes, I, I was born in Amsterdam, and I always lived in uh, in uh, around Amsterdam and, and other cities. And I, the biggest part, I lived in Lens, Landsmeer. That's a small village, really small village, but it's a famous famous village. And I, I grew up. There was my my most beautiful time in my life was in Landsmeer. That's 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 ten k also from here. It's a really really small village and really. 7,000 people only living there, so that's small. And you said, you said it was a beautiful time in your, your young life. What, you know, because as a, as a boy as a, and then growing up to be a man, did you ever come across any, any you said it was a beautiful place, but as we, do, as we all do, we all go through things and, and growing up as boys and adolescents. And was there anything that you came across um, um, growing up? Yeah, uh, my mother is uh, is a survivor of the Japanese war camps, and my father is uh, a young soldier yeah. in World War Two, and they met each other, and that was not a marriage, <laughs> was not a match made in heaven. It's like you know, my mother is so caring and so protecting, and my father was he was hurt because when you're 16, 17 years and shooting at people. You know, something, some, something changed. He became a hard, hard entrepreneur, 
a really successful businessman, but that didn't mix with with my mother. So it, it, it was it, it was a hell from from the start. Yeah. And then three children, and I was the middle. So I've got two sisters, and I became a dreamer. I, I became the sensitive one. I became the the one who was feeling not loved. I started to live with my mask and started to live in, uh, in my shadow. That's what I say in my book. Living in Shadowland is, is, is what I did to survive the, the hard world. Yeah. What, when you speak about um, being the middle child and not, like you say, not feeling loved, or what? At what point did you come? Uh, you know, what age did you start to? Because. Some, you know, it happens. It happens. I mean, I remember, I remember, yeah, thinking about it. You know, because my situation was where I had, um, I grew up, and my mum took five of us. I was a twin. He's died. He he's died. He took five of us away at seven years old, and I I didn't I, I knew, but I didn't realise until I was like twenty something age that my that my mum loved me. But obviously, she, she's not going to show that love. Because she shows it in other ways because she's she has to she has to bring up five children. There's five of us in tow. One's a baby. She has to take us away, and that's how she's showing her love by protecting us. She couldn't be that mum that's put us on a knee, hold us, and you know that's what I'm. So that's what I'm trying to say to you is where, how, at what point did you find out? Mine was a bit later. Where, at what point did you find out that? You, you did. You felt unloved, or I when my mother, um, yeah, when I became really sick, when I became uh, in my major depressive illness, and when I, when I lost everything in life, and when I came back, and that was in two thousand, and my mother was at the airport. Then I knew the first time yeah, I was forty five, I think now forty two. She gave me a hug. That was the first hug. I ever really received from my mother. Yeah. 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 So, so, so yeah. up until that point, then, so that in your childhood, you, you said they had a beautiful life and a beautiful time. So, growing up, then, uh, when did when was you starting to get the feelings of not feeling loved? When was you getting those? Oh, straight away. Straight away, but I was protected. Yeah. My mother always protected me. You know, my mom. My father saw that I was a dreamer and he wanted to do something about it. You know, I said, if you're going to dream your whole life, <laughs> you're not going to succeed. One day you will you will end up nothing, you stay nothing and you will become nothing. And that's what he said when at our early age, he said, you will be you will be nothing in this world. And there was a time in my life when, when everything went wrong. Then I thought, probably he was right. Then, you know, I was, I was a dreamer. I always thought that... <laughs> Everything I could change, I could could make the world better for everybody yeah. and for myself. Yeah. In, 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 in the same process, I, I wanted to save myself. I wanted to save everybody, yeah, yeah, but yeah. what I was doing is save myself. Somebody will say, "Hey, yeah. you're okay too." You know. Yes. If 
I give if I give all this to the world because I'm not getting it. I'm a dreamer, so I want to I want to help others. And if I get if I do get if I do give it to others, maybe someone will come and yeah and say you're okay too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even if you're a person that wants to get that hug, or even if you're not that person that wants to get that hug, but you, you, even if you're doing it for the right, the reasons of, I'm just doing it because I want to help. But at some point, it, it comes to a point where you think, you know what, I won't, I won't mind uh, somebody saying to me, put my arm around me and saying, how are you? Exactly, exactly, exactly. And you, you said it so right. Sometimes you give to people, they didn't even, they didn't even ask for it. But you think they need it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's that's where I went wrong. Yeah. That's why I lost it. And that, didn't, those people didn't need ask for it, and it was not my job to give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I lost it because I wanted to help them because I thought if I help them, look at your life. If if you're using drugs in Amsterdam and you're sleeping under the bridge and everything is gone. I think I have to give you something. Yeah. <laughs> I want to give something of my life to you, but they don't want it. Yeah. They want drugs. <laughs> they want. <laughs> they want drugs. Yeah. So they're ready. They're not ready to change. And I wanted to change them. At that moment. But they. Yeah. Yeah. So growing up, then, what did you want? You said you were a dreamer. And so basically, you've got this two-barreled thing. You've got your dad saying you're not going to be, you're not going to be anything, and then you're feeling unloved on the other side, or both. So it's like a, almost like a um, like a double-edged, you're leading like a double-edged sword. But then you're also dreaming and hoping that somebody um, would give you a hug. Growing, so growing up, what did you want to be? What did you want to be? What was it? What was you see it on my dream? You see it on the cover of my book, you see it. A Top Gun pilot. A Top Gun pilot. <laughs> a Top Gun pilot. You see it on the top of my book. Brilliant. I will send you my uh, my the cover of my book. It's, you see the, the the dreaming pilot with the with the gear on it. It's, it's it's really what I want to be. A Top Gun pilot. And I started the course, but I was too too big. First of all, I was six foot, foot three. And second of all, I was too tense and I was too anxious. I had an anxiety disorder. So when the pressure comes up, I lose it. So yeah, yeah. I was, after three months, they found out already and I was kicked out of the, the course. Gosh. And it really, it's really hard. What, what, before that then, how did you find out that you had anxiety? I didn't know. And- I, I didn't know. But they have all kinds of tests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you go in a simulator, <laughs> they see it on all the, <laughs> the results of the simulator. They say, bye bye, Frank. So, did they actually tell you you had the anxiety disorder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The reports, everything, it's, it's, it's in there. Yeah. And so, at that point, and, then, at that point, you wanted to be a, a, a top one pilot and you. You're doing the course. You're going on the simulator. 
then somebody tells you this, what actually happens? What ha- what goes the, into your the, mind? The world's end it's ends. It's like <laughs> it's like it's like you're over. You see your you see your father. <laughs> you see your father saying, Hey, you see, I told you. I told you you will become nothing. Yeah. And now only how many people will make it to Top Gun, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In Holland, I think fifteen, twenty a year, so <laughs> Over. That dream, yeah, your dream is is is, is over. ended. It's over. It's it's ended. Yeah. And so, what happened to what? What happened? To, I'm not saying how did you feel, but what happened to you during that during those weeks and months after that? Did was you? Uh, yeah, I was in the air force. Of course, I was in the air force. Yeah. So they gave me another job with sports, and luckily they did. Because that, that's my second passion, sports yeah. and, and, and teaching, and I became famous, uh, a very good basketball player and a, and a really good coach, and uh, also tennis tennis coach, teacher, pro. So you know, I, I switched it in in six seven months. I switched, but still, it was really depressing. It was really it was a fight to come out. You know, they were scared. People, people were really scared. I, I, I was depressed. I was really depressed. So while you while you were there, you 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 said they'd given you another job, but you was you was you went down into depression then. Sorry. You were depressed then. You say you was it? Would you get the? Yeah, I was. I was. I was. I didn't want to go to the art force anymore. I I, I, I I went on sick leave. I stayed at home. I stayed in my bed. You know, and, and, and some people came to see me. I had to talk with the psychiatrist yeah. and the psychologist. And, you know, I had to do a lot of work. Yeah. How long did that go for? S- seven, eight months. Yeah. And did you ever get to a point where you felt low that you, you, you never want to get out of bed? You, you know, get out of bed for days or, you know... Because what I'm trying to gas, gra- grasp is... is for the listeners out there, for people who maybe who will be listening to this, is is what what got you through those what got you through those uh, months? What cope um, did you do to cope? What, you know, how did you cope? It's it's seeing another goal, setting another goal, setting new things. And when somebody said, "Hey, Frank, you're 18, 19 years old. You're one of the best basketball players in in in." in uh, not in Holland, but in, in your area, and they had to say that more and more and more. Then you start believing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was good. I, I made. I was always the top scorer. I was always, but that was not enough because that was not my dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't care if I won with with forty points and I made fifty. Or I didn't. I didn't care. You know, that was that was easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it points that was easy, but Top Gun was my dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's almost like the, the it's almost like the second thing becomes like almost like a um, you don't see it, you don't see it because the, the, your dream is that one goal, that one aim, and so if you miss that, t- it's almost like football, isn't it? It's, I use football as an analogy for for life. If you miss the goal. 
because you've wanted to score and you missed that goal, it becomes your la- it becomes all. You can't see anything. It comes else. back. Yeah, it comes back all the time. It turns you it turns you down. That moment, no. That's that's and that is that's that's also my warning in my book, Trapture and Dream. You know, because there are so many other possibilities, but you don't see them because you only watch yeah. what you want to see. Yeah. You only look what you want to see. see. Yeah. Yeah, and there are so much more in the world, but yeah, you become blinkered you know. in that moment in time. You become blinkered and you don't see anything else. Um, it's, it's a bit like when you have those horse horses and they put the blinkers on them and, and exactly yes yeah you can't turn the head and everything else that one you have to see that, that one you have to steer them um, it's so, all mindset it's all it's, it's all in your mind yes yeah so and when you're young when you're young you don't know much more than what, what you dreamed of till 18 19 years old and then it shattered divorced my mother did everything she she find like a line and my father was already gone then uh, 16 he went out of the house and i never saw him anymore you know because we had no good relationship so i was really happy that he divorced and i stayed with my mother another 10 years till 25 yes. and uh, yeah my mother was is protecting just what you said she, she she took care of me talk with me she said come on you're a good basketball player you know you've got so many opportunities but yeah but not really what you want to hear yeah yeah i never heard what i wanted to hear yeah so what steered you what's then steered you from what, what i want to find out is how what brought you back what was that moment that brought you back from um out of this You'd say, you'd, oh, they, we call it a nightmare, don't, don't we? We call it a nightmare. We, we were going for a nightmare. And we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure, is uh, that I saw that I was a, that I was a good basketball player, and straight away I was nineteen, I think twenty. Yeah. Then the coach of me asked me to be the trainer of the little ones. Right. He saw something in me. He said, you can be the best coach for those little guys from seven, eight years old and they will love you because you are so full of passion. And you, he saw a coach in me where I didn't see it at that time, but he was right because I was born to coach. I was born to train and, and the successes came straight away. You know, if I could, I could say anything to a child and they believed it straight away. The way I brought it, even if I had told them to, to throw like this, that they should have done it. So, you know, I, I had to be careful because they saw me as an idol. You know, I, I was always the top scorer. So they looked to the Michael Jordan of, of Lansmeer. <laughs> I was the Michael Jordan of Lansmeer, you know, yeah, yeah. and Michael Jordan was my. <laughs> My idol, you know, there is nothing more than Michael Jordan. He's 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 a, he's a he's a king. Yeah. He's a king of basketball. He's, he's a god of, of basketball. Yeah. And 
And, and I was for them the god of, of the basketball in Landsmeer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they believed everything I told them. Things change in, in different parts of the story when we're talking, and sometimes I can see. And now you, you were smiling at the beginning, then we talk about different things, and then now this part, you, you, you know, you're not so smiling when you when the when. So it's, it's it goes to show that when we, when we're going through things, we don't smile as much, and there's pain there. But then when we when things change, we start to smile more. We start to see the world in a different, in a different way, and. You're, what I was going to ask you, because even these sort of things, I like to look at these things. What, on that first day of going into the gym or going to the first session to coach, how, I, I don't know if you can remember it, but how, was you, how did you feel? Was you nervous? And, and then how did you feel yeah. afterwards? Not at all. It was natural. I was, it was like, I swear I felt like, whoa. They're all looking at me and saying, "We believe everything you're going to tell us." You know, you can feel it straight away that they they they, they want to stay with you. They want to go into your pockets. You know, they want to come with you to, to to your house. They, they want to live with you. You know, they wanted to be my son. You know, they, they were they were they were really into you. And if that's the case, then everything goes natural. You know, you, you see everything straight away. The 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 the, the talent and the and the blockade, because when you're born high sensitive, it is a superpower. Because you can straight away see the struggles of such a, a small kid, and you can straight away, it's like a magic touch. And that guy glows. And when you say, Are you gonna be my top scorer? How do you know? Well, you will see. You know, and, and you, you know, you can see it, you can feel it, you're born for it. And I was born too. To be the coach. Yeah, fantastic. And um, it's almost. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna reverse this as well, because you're. You're basically in, a, in another way. You're saying then that the the love that you didn't find in other areas, you're 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 getting it. You're getting it from these these young you know these children these young people. You're getting it from from them. And you then what happens is you embrace it because you one one you enjoy the job one you're enjoying it two you you've got them hanging off your every word and and three is that they're enjoying being with you and being taught by you and there's that there's that respect there hundred percent it was it, I, I say it's chapter three in my book basketball. It's my first love, it's my last love, it's my everything. It's like Mary White singing. It's, it is, I start living basketball. I start living basketball. It was not healthy. It was not healthy. But I was start living basketball. And so you, you, so you started this coaching and you started, you said the success started to come in. Um, children that love you 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 said you taught tennis as well what what happened between so you're basically when you were saying you're the dream of helping people you've actually now in that moment of being a basketball 
coach, in a sense, fulfilling that dream as well. Yes. And you know what's funny? I'm going to tell you a funny story. I came to a psychologist because sometimes you have to go for I did a training and you have to talk with a psychologist. And he said, Frank, you need a hobby. I said, what? <laughs> Coaching is my hobby. Basketball is everything. He said, Frank, it's time to get a hobby. <laughs> go and do something else. And I said, well, what can I do something else? He said, start playing tennis. So I started playing tennis. And that became my second love because, you know, I became a tennis teacher and I loved it also straight away. Because, and, and, and tennis is even more mental. It's a mental game. Basketball is more really talent and, and strong. And, and, and tennis is... There are so many good tennis players. But who can play his best ball? Where he has... The moment he has to play that ball. Where can he make that point? Where he has to make that point to win the game. So many people can play real good tennis. But there is only one Roger Federer who exactly knows... When to play the ball, that's going to win in the game. It's all here. And tennis is all mental game. And basketball is <laughs> go, run, shoot, <laughs> and fight. Do you, do, you think, do you think also as well, when you're talking about mental and strength and you know what, what makes one person... What makes one person one person and another person another? Do you think it's because, as well, tennis is an individual sport as well? Yeah, yeah absolute, absolute true. You know, the tennis players are all a little bit, they're not going to like it when I'm going to say, but autistic. They're all a little bit close to themselves. And some are really <laughs> over the edge. You know, they. they, they Nobody is. Look at Nadal. He's a great person. He's a great man, a really beautiful man. But he's really, really, if you see where he puts his bottles, it has to stand exactly where he wants it. Otherwise, he's, he's mentally, oh, look, my bottle is not in the right place. I'm not going to win because my bottle is not standing. You know, he's, he's, he's really, really on. But he's a great man. He's got a great heart and he is a beautiful man, but he's a little bit strange. But all the genius are a little bit strange. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, you said that because um, when we're talking about, we often say, we often put labels on people and we say, this, this kid is ADHD or autistic or has learning difficulties. But what we don't realize is that those things can, we, you can utilize those things as a skill. They actually, they're not, people say normal. So if I'm the same as you and then someone else is autistic, that means they must have an ability to do something that we can't. That's it, that's it, it's, it's a superpower. It's, it's a superpower. It is a superpower. It's a superpower. Someone who's with dyslexia. Um, I, remember, I remember speaking to someone on the podcast and he, he basically said that he works for Google. And he's, I think he was autistic. He said he's autistic, I think. And he says that he, because of the job that, the role that he has to do, people who are autistic can't really, people who are not autistic can't do that job. 
He or huh? it is well. So he's got a superpower there. Yes, he's got he is. <laughs> I think he is. He's he's unique. He's he's one of a kind, you know, it's it's like high sensitive also, you know, it's a struggle to be high sensitive. But I know now after after sixty years <laughs> high sensitive is is something beautiful. Who was your favorite player of all time tennis? Federer, Roger Federer. Okay. I would, for, yeah. me, for me, I would, you know, this is another side to the thing, but I would always go, I haven't seen enough of Federer. I mean, I have, but I would always go with Sampras for me, because I just think he was. Oh, before Federer, yeah, for the Sampras was. Yeah, for me, Sampras was just the. Hey, you need to be. Personality, uh, greatness. Yeah. Sampras is in the top three of my, my for me too. Yeah, Sampras for me because when I used to watch him, he's played even Lendo. He's like even Lendo, but Sampras for me was the one because he always it, it was just this almost like focus and robotic, and it just it just went out there and just. You know, there was no people say he didn't have a personality or whatever, but he just went out there and did his job. He went out there to do a job and he did it, an efficient machine sort of thing. So yeah, um, Lendl was a machine, was trained Lendl. just like Djokovic trained. Federer is born with it. Sampras is born with it. Michael Jordan is born with it. Tiger Woods is born with it. They are unique, one of a kind persons. Yeah. And don't you think then, you're, we are all unique, so even you for yourself, you're unique, you're unique because there's not many people who'd go in, who'd go and be able to do that job what you do, to be able to work with the children and work with children at different ages, work and do basketball with them and, and go into that setting after all the things that you may have been through. Yes, we all are unique, but you know, it's like I'm always saying now, please step out of the prison because the door is open, you know, use your gift because you're here on earth, you have a gift, but so many people will never live their gift, it's even worse, 90% will say in the end of the life if I only had lived the, my life the way I want to live my life yeah. Yeah. and that's shocking for me that's why I wrote a book that's why I wrote Transfer Dream because please life has no overtime there is no overtime maybe tomorrow it's over and then you will say also on your deathbed you're gonna say Oh, I wish I had done it differently, you know. Now do it now, you know. And will you fail? <laughs> For sure. You will fail. The first time, you probably fail. Look, no Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But then you become a Top Gun in, a, in another area. Yeah! There are so many Top Guns, but on a different area. Yeah, different and I, I need your gift. Maybe I, I was waiting for your gift. And if you're not living your gift, how can I find my gift? Because 
you're holding back on your gift and you're not giving it away to me. I need you to say something that will like let me write my best chapters in my life. I needed that, that man who said to me, hey Frank, do you want to become the new trainer of the that group of little boys? He saw something in me. He gave me the gift. He gave me my gift. It was all already my gift. It was already my gift, but somebody had to give me the push to live my gift. And your dad was telling you that you you won't be nothing, you won't be anything. How did that? What did that make you feel? Because you was always a dreamer. Did you or did you kind of say, well, I'm? Did you kind of think to yourself, well, I am going to be this person or I am going to be this? Or did you kind of let that thing get to you? Did you make him get to you? You got a, you got you, know a figure, you got a father figure saying to you, you're going to amount to nothing. You're not going to be anything. Um, yeah. How did that make you feel? Were you kind of saying into your mind, well, I'm going to be something, or did you make it affect you growing up? You know what, what my answer was? I'm going to be a happy nothing. <laughs> my father was a big businessman. He made a lot of money. But it was not one hour when he was happy. And I said, I'm going to be a happy nothing. And then he was more angry than he was before. <laughs> so when, so you, because actually, no, you actually said that to him as well. You actually, you, I said it to him. I said, I'm going to be happy. Nothing. <laughs> and and then he wanted to hit me. But he never hit me. I must say something about my father. Yeah. He was not the father I wanted to be. But when I understand where he came from, I forgive him straight away yeah, yeah. because he gave the best he could do at that time. Yeah. He had nothing more to give me. This was all he had. So three months before he died, I saw him. I had a lunch with him. Yeah. He had tears in his eyes and he said, Frank, I did it now. I had nothing to give. I didn't know. Did you speak to? Did you? Was you spoke, speaking to him on that level then? Did you speak to him and ask him? Yeah. 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 And then I forgave him. I said, "Of course you did it, now. because who, who, if if I was if I was a soldier in World War Two, sixteen years shooting at people, yeah. killing people probably. <laughs> How could I be your father? You know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I forgave him. Because I was always angry. And when things went, went bad, you know how bad they went in my life. You know, I was angry at him. I was blaming him. But that was not right. You know, because he couldn't help himself. He, he gave the best at that moment. He, he tried to say the things he said to me, like, you will become nothing, to give me the push. Give me the push, yes. Yeah. It wasn't push, it was his push. Yeah, that was his way to save me for the world that was coming to me. And he was right, because the world one day came to me and I went off the cliff. 
I was not ready for the real world because I lived in the fantasy world. I lived in a shadow world. And my father saw that and he tried to save me in his way. But it didn't help. And I, I went off the cliff. Don't worry, I went off. I was going to say to you that I was going to ask you that actually. Did you, you know, did you reconcile with your father? Because I've, I've, this has come up quite, quite a few times now, where people who who um, who have had a, a, um, a not so great relationship with a, with a mum or, or father it tends with men. It tends to be the father. Maybe there's no role model there. The role model he's meant to be. He's He's, 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 he says things in a, to you in a certain way or he's not around or whatever and it's come up quite often that we when you when you then look back on it you think what must have they've gone through when they because we all we all go through things we all we I, I said this I said this one the other day you don't see you don't see that your parents are not mortal immortal yeah, immortal. You don't you don't recognize it until they become sick. You grow up thinking that this person's always going to be this tough because they're protecting you, and you don't you never see them sick. You, I don't I can't remember seeing my mum sick when I was young. Maybe seeing her cry and all that sort of thing, but I've never seen her be sick. And so when she does become when she has become sick when she was like when you're in twenties or whatever, and she's getting older, she becomes sick or your dad becomes sick. Quite often, you think, oh, I didn't realize that you could. You know, you're not you're not immortal after all, and you start to recognise them that them as being human, and they have they have their things and they go through things, and like you said, then your dad would have gone through, who knows what, who knows what going going you know shooting at people, and even before that, who knows what he would have gone through, being transcripted to the army and before that, and he's growing up because they don't they don't tell you everything. Oh, you're back. It just—I don't know what happened. Yeah. I don't know what happened. There. I don't know what. Happened. Okay. I, I think a bad, bad connection. Yeah. Where was I, by the way? I kept on talking. Um, the last thing I heard about um, you said about uh, where your parents come from. Where? Yes, we don't understand where we don't we don't see where our, we where we our parents come from. They don't tell us everything. Some things are kept secret. So sometimes when they're dealing with us, as we're as as children, is sometimes it's the way they've been brought up by their mum and dad or whoever, grandparents or whoever. Sometimes it's their personality, and it's sometimes and a lot of the times it's their experience growing up. Um, we start. We all start living the life told to teach by others, but most of the time, that is not our life. And then burnout, depression, all those kinds of things, fear and doubt are around the corner. They are waiting for you. They are waiting for you. Because you think, oh, this is, this is, everything is told and teach, you know, you have to do this and you have to do this, but but you're different. (laughs) Yes. You're different. Different time. Yeah. You are sensitive, autistic, whatever it is. But I don't care what you are, but 
but you're different than we're all unique we're all unique so if you start living told and teach by others i still didn't read my uh, my uh, my grandfather wrote a book about indonesia and what happened in the war camps and i was not allowed to read the book because it must be so horrific what happened with my mother during that time he saw straight away frank don't read that book because i don't want to destroy you you know it's not good for you don't read it and i still it's here it's 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 in my cabin i don't touch it because i know it's gonna be horrific the japanese the germans were bad but the japanese were also really bad they were really cruel. They were really cruel. Like I say, we don't quite often. We don't I don't know what happened. Sorry, go on, carry on. I don't. Know, I don't want. I don't know what happened with my mother, but I think it must be terrible things for for a girl of 14, 15 years in, in, in Japanese camp. And I can imagine what happened there. And I hope it's not what I think it was, but I think it's going to be horrible. And again, like even that, you say like your 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 mother. Both, we don't know what they go through, and so quite often they protect us from maybe some of the things that they went through. Even if we're not, even if we're not going through that, they might be protecting us and thinking this might happen, or I'm gonna because they, and yeah. even if they don't hug you, they, they they protect you in a different way. They protect. They already started protecting. <laughs> Was maybe could could happen. Yeah, yeah. For what maybe could happen. So yeah. after after your basketball um, and your tennis, did you have you carried on? Did you is that something you carried on to um, later on? And and at what point? You said you yeah. you didn't realize your mum. You, you didn't realize until you were forty or something that your mum loved you. Lead us up to that point. Yeah, well, well, I started working for the government of Amsterdam and I did all the tennis classes, I did the basketball clinics, I, I, I enjoyed life, I bought a house, I had a beautiful girlfriend, she was, she was a doctor, everything went a little bit okay, you know, like what we can say, normal, but still, the, the high sensitive, the, the shadow land was always there, and, and, and in the end, Maybe that story you heard that I was asked to, to do a drug uh, investigation in, in drug users and in the methadone project. It's, 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 it's famous in, in Amsterdam, the methadone project, where we give people who are using heroin methadone, yeah, to give them dick. And there I made a mistake. Uh, they asked me to do the interviews because I always make good contact with, with, with everybody. So they said, you're born to do this? I said, yeah, yeah, let me do it, let me do it. And I was excited and I was full of energy. When you hear those stories, I couldn't, I couldn't cope with it anymore, you know. Too much went in and nothing went out anymore. And I, I stopped with giving tennis lessons. I stopped basketball coaching. I had to stop my work because they said, Frank, you start losing it, and that's what they call dissociation. Yeah. It's like I lost it. 
I, sometimes I was in a place I didn't even know how I came there. I was I was in Groningen and I, I thought, what 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 am I doing here? You know. <laughs> so I drove two hours back, and and the next day I did pretend that nothing happened. I wanted to succeed. I wanted to go on with, you know, I want to finish this project. But uh, to make a long story short, you know what happened? I, I, I came in a mental hospital. Oh, so you, you, was, you ended up in a, a mental hospital? I did. Yeah. So do you had a breakdown. You would have had a breakdown then. I had more than a breakdown. I had, uh, it's, a, it's a crazy story, but... <laughs> It's a really crazy story, and, and, and you know, I ended up in Sydney. I don't ask me why, <laughs> and you're probably going to ask why. <laughs> I won't ask. I won't ask. I won't ask. But why? <laughs> but I did, and I was even in a trial for the rest of my life because they wanted to give me life in prison. And I was found. Let's rewind. That. I was Let's fun. rewind that a bit. What actually? What yeah. actually happened? What happened? Yeah, that's that's you know, it's it's a part in the book, and I really, what I know now from digging for myself, with all the investigators and the, the detectives and the police and everybody did, and we found out what really happened. But somebody said to me, Frank. What's going on? I said, well, I'm going into a mental hospital in a day clinic. I, I have to sort myself out. And yeah. I go from nine till five in a day clinic. Yeah. And somebody must have said in Amsterdam, Frank, fuck, don't do that, man. When you end up there, they, they give you medication and ding and yeah. Uh, please, Frank, don't do it, you know? I, I know somebody in Australia you know, and you can live there in an apartment and, you know, go to the beach and see the koalas, go to, you know, you're such a good man, please, don't do that, you know, you're good enough, you know. So I said, so you offer me, yeah, you can stay there. Well, to make a long story very short, I went over there, and but I only know that I spoke with a lot of people in, in, the, in, the, in the plane. And, and they probably told already the authorities uh, there's something wrong with this guy. <laughs> so please take take care of this guy because you know what I have said. I don't know. So many people came to my trial. They said, "Oh, you know, you were full of the, the, that. You're a good guy. You're 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 bashful in your coaching career, and you know your beautiful wife and all the successes and." But you were crying all the time. You were crying all the time in the plane. And you showed a box of medication. I had I had for three months medication in backpack. So they probably told already the authorities, well, somebody's coming, but he's, he's not all there. And when I ended up, and that's, that's, that's my whole story, it's like, uh, I was waiting with somebody I met on the plane for my suitcase. But my suitcase didn't come. And when everybody was already gone, I didn't have my suitcase. Yeah. So she said, Frank, you must make a complaint. You know, I said, well, I'm going to do it. And the moment we, we walked to where you can make the complaint, my suitcase came. But it was broken. 
my clothes was out. They were on the belt. They were my shoes were, and and you could see that the lock were forced, and you could see that somebody was into my circuit. Yeah. So so the girl I was with, of the the, the beautiful Catholic school teacher, she said, Frank, don't touch it. Call somebody. So we called two custom officers. And they came and they grabbed the suitcase and they brought it to a room. And then strange things happened because there were two detectives already sitting there. And they said, Frank, we know what's going on. But now you have to fight for the rest of your life. I said, what do you mean fight for the rest of my life? He said, well, the things are in your suitcase. It's going to give you a life sentence. I said, well, <laughs> they're not mine. I didn't touch it. So I called you. So why are you going to put me away for life in prison? They say, we don't care. But we, we want to know who's behind this and what's going to happen. You know, why are you here? I said, well, I have an appointment to go to that apartment to stay there. I find myself. That's that's what I come to do. They said, "Well, Frank, what's in your suitcase is enough to go for the rest of your life in prison." And then I lost it. Then I lost it. I was already sick. I was on a heavy, heavy medication, and I lost it. And they put me straight away because I tried to kill myself. I I I, I completely lost it. I started becoming crazy. And, but you can read it all in the book. Yeah. And then I ended up in, in a mental hospital in, in Sydney. In a straitjacket, because, you know, they, they, they left me not, a, not one minute alone. They gave me different medication. And, you know, I was there for seven weeks in an isolation cell. Till, till, that, till that guard who saved my life again, there was a prison guard who said to me, Frank, what the... F- what are you doing here? How is a guy like you laying naked on a floor in an isolation cell? A guy like you, when I look at you, I see somebody else. So, where are you? And then I started writing. And I wrote, living in Shadowland, I wrote, alone, always alone, and the first chapters of Trapped in a Dream. And he gave those papers to a psychiatrist, he read it and he said, this guy is not crazy, he's lost. <laughs> this is a brilliant guy, this is a beautiful guy. And he, they straight away stopped my medication, they gave me other medication. And after seven months, I, I came back. I, I came back to the living, I came back to, to the world a little bit. But then I still had to go to my trial because they charged me with... with, with six kilos of ecstasy till now I never saw them till now I never saw that they were in my suitcase they told me they told me they were <laughs> but I never saw them and I went into a trial there was a show a big show and after seven days the jury went out came back and they said to the to the judge now we cannot this man for life in prison <laughs> because this is a strange story. He will, who will give his suitcase <laughs> to the customs? That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, yeah. 
that's stupid, you know. But but then he said, I still remember that he said that the judge said, could he have known that when somebody said to you, hey, go to, to Australia to find yourself, it is too good to be truth. So could he maybe know that he was doing something illegal? And that's giving that's giving a gun a loaded gun to a child. It's 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 so stupid because when I say that to you, when you have your accident outside, if you go on a bike, the possibility is <laughs> that that you have an accident. <laughs> So after another two days, the jury came back and found me guilty. And the judge said, this is the strangest case I ever had, but you can read it all in the book. And he had to wait three months to give me my sentence. And he gave me 11 years in jail. For something I didn't do. But then, yeah. The fight back started, you know. I didn't do L L years. I'm telling you that because I was innocent. I was innocent. So I started writing letters. I started to improve my English because my English was not that good. So I had to fight back. And I had so many beautiful people who came to visit me. I, I lost all my money. I, I paid a hundred thousand to the lawyers and when my money was finished they stopped it. So I had no legal team anymore because my money was finished. So I had to do the fight myself and well, I won. I won and after four years and three months I came back. But the miracles between then, I was sentenced and so many beautiful things happened during that time. What, what happened was amazing. All the miracles are in my book of course, but you know, I came out of a miracle. There was really a miracle in jail that let me out after four years and three months. And I'm famous now because of that miracle. What happened in Australia, I solved one of the mysteries, one of the biggest mysteries in Australia I solved without even knowing that I solved it. <laughs> I, helped, I helped them to solve the biggest mystery of disappearance of a little child. I solved it and I didn't even know who the child was and that there was a mystery because I never lived in Australia but I solved it and I went to Bible study and I met a guy who told me a crazy story and I told that story to a psychiatrist and that psychiatrist went with that story to, to the detectives and they they solved one of the biggest mysteries in Australia. And for that, they let me out. And I didn't even know what, what the story was. It's a miracle. It was really, but God, God said, listen, Frank, I was so depressed that I didn't want to live anymore. So he said, listen, you've got something to do on this earth now. I'm going to give you time to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> go, go to prison. <laughs> go to prison and, and make sure you stay alive. And that was really also a hard fight. But because prison is, is crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's really crazy. But now, 
now I'm happy that I see it because there are more people free in prison than outside free. It's it's a crazy world. If I was never been to prison, I could literally never be the coach and the trainer and the dream driver I am now. Because wow, there are so many people living in prison with the door wide open at the moment. And that's why I want to do now. I want to see. I want to give them the key. Because they think that they have no key. I want to give them a key. But the door is already open. But I give them a key. You know, it's a symbol. I give you a key. Get out. Get out. Somebody saw me and said, Frank, is that you? I said, yeah. He said, ah, we need you, we need you. I said, now leave me alone. No, I have to recover. He said, no, 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 Frank, we need you. I said, what what do you need me for? He said, well, I have a new tennis club. And you're the best. So, please, (laughs) please, can you help me? Come to my club and be the trainer. I said, no, no, no. He said, please, for a few hours, please, Frank, do it. I said, well, have a look. So I went there on Wednesday, and there were eight were you, little children. Where were you? Were you, were you in Australia? Here in Holland. Back in Holland. No, I was back in Holland already. 2010 of uh, August 2000, I came back. Yeah. And that Wednesday changed my life again, because I went to do the, the little children who were waiting there with their new clothes and new shoes and new records. And they saw me as a king. And I was the new trainer who would make them the new Federer. And well, probably I did for a few children, I did. But in, in two weeks' time, I had 140 children waiting for me. Wow. I was the new tennis coach for the club. And I enjoyed it. Straight away, I was in my, in my role again. I forgot my misery and I started to live again. And after. 15 years, I went to a seminar in, in, in Amsterdam, and there I saw my lifesaver, Nick Fritsch, the man with no arms and no legs. Yeah. You probably heard of him. Yeah, I've seen it. And, he said, and he said to me this, he was talking to everybody in the, in, the, in the audience, but he was really talking to me. He said, if you have a story to tell, it's your moral obligation to write a book and publish it and help as many people as you can. And then I thought, is he talking to me? <laughs> is he talking to me? And the next time I saw him, he looked at me with his, he's got no fingers. Wow, what I'm doing with the fingers? He's got no fingers, he's got no arms and legs. Yeah, yeah. But he was, the way he was speaking to me, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was saying to me, do it now, Frank. Don't wait, life has no overtime. You have to write a book. Because it's your gift, you have to do it. And that's why I wrote the book. And it was a hell. I'm telling you this. It was a hell to write this book. But I had to finish it. And it's finished. And it's now... Oh, oh something happened here. Oh. And it's now finished. And it's going to the printer. And I'm waiting for my forward. And 
no way back can hold. There is no, I cannot hold it back because I want to hold it back because I don't want the publicity. I don't want to be the hero, but we all, all are the heroes in our stories. So sometimes we have to live it. <laughs> but it's so hard because I still hear my father saying, you will be nothing. Takes on a different meaning. Of course it does. But still, it is hard when somebody calls you a superhero. If somebody sends you an email and say, "Hey Frank, you are my superhero." <laughs> are you talking to me? <laughs> it is hard. Yeah, it's, it's, it's acknowledge. It's that, it's that sense of acknowledgement. But sometimes we can be put down. We see it as being put down, and sometimes we are put down by others. And it's not until, and sometimes that can come to us even as adults. We hear people's voices from, when, from childhood. Oh, you know, you know, like you said, um, you, you you're going to amount to nothing, or you're this, or you're that. And that can that is probably, that's one of the traumas as well. We can take to our adult life, and it's not until we go through things and we we try to acknowledge ourselves and see the happiness with, within ourselves, is that that's when we can change our attitudes as to who we are, where we came from and who we want to be. And your successes, despite all the things that have happened to you, your successes have other things that have... Success, our successes are the things that make us smile. Yeah, success is a one yeah. smile. You, you see my last post on Instagram. The Daily Telegraph called me the man with a brilliant mind. Yeah. It's in the Daily Telegraph. It's, it's, it's an article like a third of a page. Yeah. And it says, under my photo, the man with a brilliant mind. And then I think, I don't have a brilliant mind, but I have a I sensitive mind. I want to do good. I want to give. But now I know, don't give everything. You know, also receive. It, it's time to get something back. You know? And, and, and the battery must, must, must always be a little bit full, you know, that then you can use your phone. If it's not if it's not <laughs> charged, you cannot use it. It's the same with me. We can only use our gift if we are really into it, if the if the heart is on the right place. And giving is beautiful, but you can only give so much as you have, you know. If you if you think you can give everybody, then you're wrong. You know, it's like Nick says all the time, you know. People are tell, telling everybody, I'm going to save the world. And you know what Nick says? <laughs> First start with yourself. <laughs> then, what do you know about your neighbor? What do you know about your neighbor? You're living next to your neighbor 12 years. What do you know about him? And you telling about, I'm going to save the world? <laughs> what do you know about your neighbor? <laughs> start with your neighbor. And spread the news, and then it spreads itself. It's funny, you know, because you, 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 I did a podcast the other day where someone said you're talking about you're you're using the 
the, the imagery of of a phone and the battery and you know he was talking about we're talking about that glass full half empty thing and you've got to have you've got to try and keep that thing as not empty you cannot empty that glass you cannot get into that battery because what happens if you enter that battery it's going to shut off that's it and it, how and when when are you going to charge it when when are you going to fill that cup back with water yeah are you waiting till 10 are you waiting till 5 there are some people who are always wait till the last last thing of the, of the battery you know yeah. I, I always do 20 25 and then I put them on the charger again you know but, but there are people as I did also they let it die then searching around for that charger who's going to help me charge who's going to help me because if if I'm if I'm died if I'm if my battery's died where, where am I going to get that charger from is my charger broke where do I get a new one who's going to help me recharge and that's and I think that's what you're saying there is that you got to the point where you, you, you everything had just gone it, it the the battery had drained it's gone empty there's no charger that's it. you need someone there to help you to, to bring back yes that happens and miracles miracles not one now, miracles, it's a book full of miracles because there are still miracles in the world, you know, they are everywhere, but we don't see them. We don't see the miracles, but the, God is a God of, of people, is the, a loving God, you know, I, I know it's a loving God and the, the people he sent to me, they were incredible. They were sent to, to, to give me the next push, push, push. And, and, and because of that, now it's time to do something back for all those miracles. And the people I met in jail, unbelievable. There are some beautiful people in jail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are miracles. Yeah, because yeah, sometimes we have to go to a point, we have to go to a place or a point in, a point in place where somebody finds us or helps us. Um, and it might not even be anybody that we were even close to or know. You never know where it comes from. You never know. It came from... It came so... You never can think about that it will come from that side. Never, never imagine that it would come from that side. But it came. And I call it the miracles. The miracles of... Of your relationship. And the moment I, I give... I give the steering wheel to God. I said, well, <laughs> what can I lose more? Nothing anymore. There was nothing to lose. When you're naked on the floor in isolated cell, it's over. But then the miracle starts when you listen. And I listened. I was lucky that I had nothing else to do than listen. people can you can transmit energy people's energy towards yeah. you and you're not so you're not, you're not so focused or blinkered and in my program i also talk now about that recharging you know it's like a car when you, when you go to your car and you start your car you see all the the, the, the dashboard and you see all the lights and after there's a light red or orange or you know what to do you have to go 
garage and fix it. In your life, you can empty all the reservoirs, all the things of your life, your proud, your belief, your balance. You can use everything up. Your willpower, you can use it till, till there is nothing anymore. And you still don't go to the garage. <laughs> you cannot find the garage to, to fix you. And, and that's why I learned now that, 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 that you have to charge to a certain level and then there is space to see. So that's why I said to everybody, don't work that hard on your to-do list, but look at your to-be list. You must be charged. You must be happy. You must be relaxed. And then you can open up to see the new things in life and make, take the next steps. But we are so, it's like going on holiday. You stop so many stuff in the, in, in the suitcase. And in the end of the, the holiday, you see your suitcase and you, the half you didn't use. It's like life. We, stu- we stop so much in our brains and so many things we don't we're never going to use but you use that space for the new things you want to learn but there is no space there is no space and you know i was mentioned to you about your you said you got to a certain age and it wasn't until you fought that you you what 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 was that moment like when you realized that your mum what was it that what actually happened when you found out that you, you realized that your mum loved you? The moment she heard that I was released, I, I did 11 years, but after four, four years and three months, I was released. And they didn't know that I was coming. So they had 24 hours to organize everything because there was a phone call. Frank is on the plane and, and he is coming back. So they were all in shock. My mother was waiting at the airport and she didn't even recognized me because I was really brown because the, the, the weather in, in Australia was good and in the last four months I had a, a small backyard in my isolation cell so I could sit outside and, and, and it was funny because she was looking <laughs> but I, I had a really tan I had a completely different tan <laughs> and she was looking like this and I was waving to her but she didn't see, she didn't even see me <laughs> And it was really funny, and, and then she gave me out, out of nowhere. I think she was so happy to, to see me, and, uh, and that was the first hug, and that was the last hug too, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. then, then, then the routine came again, you know, and yeah. it was like normal. Yeah. And, and how did that make you feel? Were you, were, you, were you in tears? Were you, were you, how would you make you feel? Uh, everybody was. It was, it was incredible. It was, it was shocking. The tears and everything. A release. It was really emotional. Yeah, that would have been a release for you. That would have been a release, complete release. Of for everybody. Gone. For everybody. My sisters, my nephews, my nephews, my my coach, my, my older coach was there. Some some old friends were there. It was it was reunited, and, you know. And they all said, of course, Frank, we didn't know that you were so deep, you know. Well, I'm I'm still waiting for the Oscar. Because <laughs> I played my role really good. Now I never, I was always hidden behind my mask. Yeah. You know, I was behind my mask. And one day, probably they're gonna give me still the Oscar. You know, because 
nobody ever noticed how broken I already was, you know. But I keep going on because I thought, I, I was thinking about, hey, Dad, I'm going to be somebody, but, you know, yeah, I didn't yeah. want to admit that I was lost. I was already lost for a long time. carry on but I mean I'd like to speak to you in, in another podcast about your time the time that you was in prison you know rather than speak about it here something to to help people that may be even listen that may want to listen to it even if they're in prison or who have come out because um, I, I have a friend who who was um who was who's kind of he was in prison and he wasn't in there for long but he, he'd gone to a bad place and he came out and now he's doing really well um, and he goes into prison. He's going, he actually went to Holland um, last year or year before. He went to Holland because um, there's a big organisation there that deals with prisoners and stuff like that. So he goes there and he's been invited back and he's been in the press there and all that sort of stuff. So it'd be something we could talk about in another... Um, I'd like to talk about, about your experiences there and how you how you managed to cope with being in there. Um, I think that'd be brilliant, a brilliant um, um, episode. So you're, let's tell us about... Tell, tell the listeners about your book... Um, you know, what do you see? What? How do you feel now? Are you? How do you feel about? Are you in a, in a more happy place now? Are you? What? What's? What's the? What's it like for you? What's life like for you now? And what's? What do you see for the future? It's, it, 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 I'm in the best chapters of my life because I finished the book, and I'm now on Clubhouse, as you know. Yeah. Uh, this is my fourth. Uh, uh, podcast, I've got two radio interviews in London, I've got a TV program waiting for me uh, also in London, I've got, I'm invited to speak also something with with prisons and I'm just going to speak in New York, uh, I'm asked to, to talk about uh, injustice and in, uh, being in jail, innocent in jail and uh, you know, to, to, to help thing. I, I was asked yes, yesterday. Um, yes, yeah, so many beautiful things are happening. I was on the 60, uh, 60 Minutes show of uh, Australia. You can find it. Uh, yeah, never forgotten. Uh, I will send it to you. But they were here two years ago to make that uh, to, to make that program. They filmed me for six and a half hours here in the neighborhood. And when I saw the show, Oh, it's a it's, it's 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 that's how the media works, you know. It's all for them and nothing for you. It's it, it, it's I was shocked that they can do something like that, you know. I gave them so much and they gave me nothing. But it was a good lesson. I learned the lessons, and you know, more interviews will come. And you know, and even if it's a bad, if you see the show, you will see the show. It, it's a beautiful show for them. It was one of the most seen uh, pro, uh, episodes of their programs, 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes is famous in America and in Australia. It's really famous. And even the, the, the reporter who interviewed me, he quit. He quit with 60 Minutes because he said, this is ridiculous when you've done this with this guy, you know. They, they wanted to give me money. I said, I don't want money. If you bring the story, how it is, I'm fine. I give you everything. They say, oh, no worries, no worries, right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
Again, I made a mistake. I gave too much. I gave them everything and they gave me nothing. So, but it's a learning process, you know? It's not going to happen again, you know? Now the interviews, your interview, your thing is, is already so much better than, you know, it's, it's, it's about life. We, yeah. we talk about yeah, the real thing and not all the other bullshit. And also as well, what that does is, you, you see that and you think, mm. you know, is that what they did? They chopped it up so much that, you know, it doesn't even tell the real story. And at least then you get, you get the, op- at least nothing's happened to you to the point now where you can actually tell, I can say, you know what, I'm going to tell the real story. I can give TED, I can give talks, I can go to the news. My book. Yeah, the podcast. My book. Book. My book. book. Show the real story. I, I left nothing out. Everything is in the book, and it's my story. And nobody's going to change it anymore now. Nobody. Yes, yes, yes. I'm happy. I'm happy because you know, people will always say, "Well, Frank, if you maybe know, so you know, they're always gonna." Yes. Yeah, that's what I said to someone yesterday. Someone's always going to, even if they see something is blatantly obvious, they're always going to not believe it. Yeah, because we are, we are people who doubt ourselves. The most people doubt ourselves already, so they're going to doubt me anyway. Yeah, to tell them, to tell, even if you've told them, and I'll say to that person, don't, don't, don't ever say, um, you, you, you can believe it or not, or don't say you're gonna. You, you, if you, if you think I'm crazy or whatever, never ever say that. Because the bottom line is, if you're telling a story and you, you're definitely telling it from genuine, from the bottom of your heart, and it's happened to you, you that's that's down to you. You have to say that. And if people are going to doubt you, no, no, no matter what. One minute, let me we'll put lights on. One minute. we are born. We are not born winners. We are not born losers. But we are born choosers. We are born choosers. Yeah. You can choose whatever you want to choose. If you want to believe me, that's okay. If you don't want to believe me, that's okay too. It's your belief. It's I don't have to live with your what you believe of, of me. I, I don't have to live with that. And that's the biggest lessons I have from all the story. You know, we are born choosers. You can. I could have said no to the guy who said to me, Frank, you want to go for three months in my apartment in on Bondi Beach? I could have said no. Yeah. But I choose to go. Yeah. Yeah. Am I guilty? Am I guilty of what happened to me? Yes, I'm guilty. But I'm not guilty of what they charged me with. That's, I'm not guilty of that. But I'm guilty that I came in that situation <laughs> because it was my choice. market your book and market what you do and just I'm gonna give you that opportunity now um, and just really really flower it up because I really want you to, to get that message out there you speak about you could, in the last part of this or the last maybe last I think maybe last half an hour 45 minutes you mentioned God a lot what what um, what is that what is that thing about you is, is, is it 
been part of your upbringing? Is it something that you found later on? What is it about God and you? I was, I was brought up Catholic. Yeah. I'm not a Catholic anymore. No way. Because yeah. I, I think it's, it's wrong. I'm a Christian. I, I did Christianity. I did the Bible study. I got even a certificate from it. And now I'm a Christian. And a Christian is very easy. <laughs> do good, feel good. And that's it. There's nothing more you can do. You know? Be the best person you can, you can be. And you know, I've got a relationship with God. It's like, the relationship with God is just like praying. Praying is talking to yourself and taking a little bit more time to listen. Praying is, that's for me, praying. And you can pray. We can pray now. You know, we can pray now, you know. It's like talking and take a little bit more time to listen and then make a choice. And that's praying is for me. And if there's, I know there is something and I don't care how you call it. I call, I call it God, Jesus, because I've seen him on the cross and he died for my sins. And I, be, I believe that. I believe that somebody was there one day and it's in the Bible. And, and I believe that somebody who wrote the Bible was a really good guy. <laughs> and you know, the story is, is great. It's one of the best stories ever, you know. It's, it, the Bible is still the most sell book in the world. And then, you know, in the Quran, I was, I was in jail and I was with, with, with a Muslim and he showed me part of, of their book. <laughs> They're so the same. There are so many beautiful things in the, in the Quran. It's so many beautiful things in the Quran that I, I was, I, was uh, I loved it. I was sharing myself with a Muslim and we were great together. <laughs> so there's so much good in religion, but there are also so many bad things about religion. All the wars are about religion. And, you know, because we see it sometimes different and we want to see it different. But if we want to see the good things in the book, it is a good world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but so many people change things to their own benefit. And, you know, that's where it goes wrong. And God is, yeah, I'm a, I'm a good Christian. I try to do the best I am. And probably he's going to have some questions. When I come upstairs and say, why did you do that? Why did you do that? Yeah. But I can defend myself. I can say, well, I did the best I could. That's, that's more I cannot do. Yeah. And, and just, yeah. just before we speak about you, 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 you just market your book, I'm going to say to you, what is it, what do you do now? You, you've written a book. What are the things that make you you? Is it going for walks? What, are the, you know, what sort of things you enjoy and what sort of things that you like doing in life to kind of keep you coping with life and happy and being happy yeah I, I'm, I'm playing tennis of course again uh, they asked me again to start coaching and, and the clubs and everything so now I'm not going to I'm, I'm not, I, say, I call myself the dream driver I want to tell everybody where are you in your life now you know are you still in prison with the door open or let me get you out and you know my book is going to let you out my program can let you out but you can you be your own dream driver. You can be your own dream driver. You only need a push. And if it comes from me, I'm happy. If it comes from you, <laughs> I'm also happy. It's, it's, 
same. It's up, it's up to you who's gonna help you. But start looking. Who's gonna give you the next push? If you stay inside, nothing will change. But if you go out, it is scary. I'm telling you, it is scary. But it's like Dennis Washington says, fail big, please fail big and come back. If you don't fail, you will never reach your goal. Never ever be the gift you were always meant to be because we all have something to say in this world. And there's no overtime, so do it now. And that's what I wanted to do. I want to go, if I can, all over the world. I want to, just like Nick, Nick spoke already for 131 million people in 131 countries. You know, <laughs> he's traveling the world only to say, listen, I've got no arms or legs, but I'm okay. And that's his story. His story is I've got no arms and legs, but 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 I live. So what are you gonna do with your arms and legs? He said to me, Frank, you have a problem. You have a, you have a good story, but you have arms and legs. Who's come? Who's gonna watch? They all come to watch me because I have no arms and legs. He said maybe your story is just as good as Andrew's story, but we have arms and legs. <laughs> Tell them about your book. Tell them the name of it. Where can it? Where can it be bought from? Where can you be found? Um, just everything about I'm, you, and then, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've got also my my, my own uh, uh, website, of course. It's, it's you change it all the time. It's the www dot traps in a dream book dot com. business page I've got a squeeze page I sent you already probably this squeeze page it's, it's, it's going to be on YouTube and it's going to be everywhere on, on, on Google and my book I hope in six weeks it's printed and it's everywhere out there and you know I really think that it's going to change life it changed my life and I give you everything in my book is everything to change your life too because the book is not about me I hope that my book will help others because I did it. What the book is telling you, I did that. <laughs> and I came out. And, and you know, I, I hope that, that it, yeah. You know, I wish I could give it to everybody for free because, you know, I don't care. It's, it's not a money thing. But, you know, it costed me all together 50, 60,000. So, probably, you know, I need some sponsors to get the book back, but then I want to, you know, if the money comes, it's just like Nick. Nick says, I'm making so much money, you know, he gives it all away. Nick needs nothing. He needs somebody to clean him. And you know, but he gives so much away. And he said, you know how you sleep at night? When you know that somewhere in Africa, over in Nepal, or whatever, somebody sleeps in a good bed with a full tummy, with, with medical care and everything, because you give it that. You know how you sleep at night when you know people is gonna fall asleep because you give them a chance. And that's what I wanna do. And if it's 10 people or five people or 100 or a million, I don't care. I, I will sleep already good then when I know somebody will sleep from, from my story. 
for my being a good guy. You know, I don't need much. <laughs> I live, I've got a house, I've got food. You know, what do I need more? You know, a holiday, and that's it. <laughs> To, yeah. What would you say to somebody if you could give a couple of lines? What would you say to somebody who may be struggling out there, who maybe struggled with um, depression or, or just or just going through life and struggling with the, the mental health? What couple of lines? What would you say to somebody? Because you spoke there about earlier when you said you didn't, you 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 didn't not say get the help, but you didn't speak to anybody, and 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 I'm going to presume that's that's could be. A, one a man being a man because we don't speak about much we don't open up we don't speak um i'm not saying women don't do it but women have tend to go go towards friends or go towards people um, that, i'm that i'm not i'm saying that's general but as a general thing men we don't really speak so what would you say to people I'm, out there you said it's so beautiful it's, it's so right what you say now i said it yesterday on my mental health uh, room high sensitive room, I said, listen, find somebody who thinks that you are really okay, that you're, even if you're, say them, you're depressed or you feel shit, that you trust him to tell him that you're not alone, that you find somebody who said, hey, listen, Andrew, I don't care if you're depressed, I don't care if you're, you know, you're my friend, <laughs> you're okay the way you are, so you have to find, and you never know it's gonna be but sometimes it's sometimes somebody by accident you know but keep sharing if you don't share nobody can help you then you start to become isolation and then there is nobody anymore and then probably somebody will find you anyway but please you know don't trust everybody you know there are always people who but but find that person or persons, if you're lucky, where you can share this with and then do it together. You know, find the right sources, but don't give up if the first one says, hey, well, I don't have time, please, you know, uh, you know, because they all like you, because when you're the clown, when you have your mask and you do, they want to see you. But if you come, oh, I feel not so good. So many people run away because they think, oh, no, not now. But there is always somebody who says, oh, I don't care, tell me, you know, find somebody, you know, but don't hold back, tell it. And it, maybe it's somebody in the train, maybe somebody you never saw before, but open up. Because if you don't open up, the door will always stay closed. Go on. I'd like to say thank you for coming on. Also, what's what's your plans for the rest of the day? What's your plans for the rest of the week? You know, what 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 sort of things that you do you like doing? Gardening? Yeah, I'm going to nature. I've got a house into nature and in the woods. And now, because my mindset is 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 strong and okay, I see so much more. I see the deers. If you go to my Instagram, you can see me talking to a deer. I walked there for 15 years. I saw them always on 100, 200 meters. And you see me in front of a deer, talking to a deer, and you can see his ears listening to me. Because I open up. I'm there. I can I can talk with animals. 
see the world. No, with myself, you know, it's 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 so much. I, now I really see. I'm, the blinks are off. You know, just what you said. The blinks are off. Yes. I'm now open. I can receive and I can give. I can receive and I can give. And if that stays in balance, I will be okay. I've got my bad days, like you. I've got my good days, yeah. like everybody. I hope. But you know, it's it, the balance is is good. So find your balance, and then you know, I, I, I love these are the best parts of my life, and I wish I had done this 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? no, no, don't ever, don't ever regret it. You're, you're there now. You know, your life must have been completely different then if you did do that. And my mum always says to me, she always says in a in a Jamaican, a Jamaican um, um, patois, um, nothing happens before it's time. Nothing happens. That, that's that's what I wanted to say. You know, and this interview also, uh, this podcast, Andrew, I must compliment you because this was the, this was the best. This was really, really, I really enjoyed it because this is where life is all about. It's. We share our best. We give our best, and you did your best. And there's nothing more than doing your best. This is good enough. Yeah. We did good enough. Yeah. And for the listeners out there, when I do this podcast, even um, this one here with Frank, we have never, we've never met. Oh no, we've never okay. spoken. This interview was so beautiful. Yeah, we've never spoken before. We've never, we've never met. We just sort of said hello to months ago, and then went to, you know, from the from the clubhouse chat um, app. And then went on to Instagram, and so we've never spoken. So this is, you know, this is all right now. It's off the cuff, and it's and you know I've enjoyed it. It's been fantastic. Yeah, and this is what what you have to do in your prison. You have to find. You, know, you see, we found each other by incident. By by yeah, I was on the same time as you were up, and <laughs> we we met each other in Pete's room, and. I think Pete is also an incredible, incredible human being. It's, it's, it's a beautiful human being, and you know there are so many. But you know, if you, if you don't show yourself, and Clubhouse is now making that, that that possible, you know, so many people can take the stage and finally be the person they want to be. Open up and step out of that prison, you know, because wow, it's 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 amazing. Say thank you for coming on and um, talking. Like I say I'd like to have. I'm going to have you back on again, um, and just to talk about you know different aspects. And it doesn't have to be anything like, um, but definitely part about about the prison. I'd like to speak about, and then obviously talk about your book as well when it when it does come out. But definitely I want to talk to you again about certain sections. You 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 keep the control. I like the way you. The questions, the the, the, the the openings you get, I, I like the way you present. So you could be a TV host, you could be the new Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> so, uh, funny, someone someone else said that to me before. Someone actually said that to me before. So yeah, um, yeah. I just for me, when I when I I want when I'm speaking, even though it's not live, when somebody's listening to it, I want them to be. Going along with me and you and that person who's speaking back. Do you see what I mean? Rather than me asking, what I never do is I never find out what the person, who the person was. I don't know who the person was. I never find out the history because I want to find out at the same time as the listener is finding out. Yeah. 
and that's the reason why. It's amazing. I think, I think, this is crazy, man, honestly. This conversation, the whole world should have, should now stop and listen to our conversation. Yeah. yeah, the world would be much better if everybody now stopped and, and listened to this conversation. Because this is a normal conversation about people who want to do good in this world and want to give and, and, and share and, and, and make the world a little bit better. And that's not to brag about you and me. It's, it's what we all need. It's, it's what we need. So it's another thing I want to talk to. Another thing I talk to you about. Another episode is maybe talking about the year that we've had, or the year that you've had during this this pandemic, or whatever you want to call it. So that'd be another that'd be for another podcast as well. It, it is, it is, and I think it, it's really important because it is the time to find yourself. Yeah. <laughs> if you look really good, if you don't find yourself now, you never have a chance anymore. If you don't can find yourself now being locked up, we are locked in also for so long. But for me, it was the best time of my, of my life yeah, yeah. because I had to really come to. Yeah, I had to find myself. I had to. I had to really. And Clubhouse was also a savior for so many people. Yeah. It came on the right time. It really came on the right time. Yeah. And I say thank you. Um, and that thank you. thank you Frank and that was Men Are Nuts speak to you soon